We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Where do you see uh-huh. the growth opportunities for business owners? Well, honestly, Joe, you're asking the wrong person that one because I don't buy businesses. I buy people. Hi, I'm Joe Connolly. To introduce you to a longtime friend of the WCBS Business Breakfast and also of these Dime Bank business videos, Barbara Corcoran, founder of the Corcoran Real Estate Group of New York, now, of course, known around the world as Barbara Corcoran of Shark Tank. Barbara, I think you are the one who has the most heartfelt connection to small and mid sized business owners of anybody on the show. So what well, I think business- you're right. Yeah, yes, it shows. And what is the number one thing that business owners are telling you right now or asking you about? Uh, finding the right employees. You know, the, the businesses that have come through the pandemic thought the worst was behind them. And then the businesses have expanded the good ones and they don't know how to keep afloat because they can't get the workers. That's the single largest challenge. I don't care what industry you're in, everybody's experiencing it. It's not just at your local restaurant, it's your dry cleaners, it's at your technology companies. It's everyone across the board is having a hard time attracting employees. What's working? What do you what do you advise them? I gave them heartfelt advice based on my own experience. The reason I was able to build such a large company is because I adored my employees and would do anything for them at any time, anything for them. They came first. They were the God I served. And you have to have that attitude toward employees if you want to do well with them. If you can pay employees more than the next guy, if you could, and you say, oh, it's not in the budget. Well, guess what? Customers are willing to take on some of those added costs. They're very uh, they're very amiable to helping small businesses if they think they're helping a good business get ahead. So you can pass on a lot of those costs, but you have to pay people more. You have to give them the latitude and the freedom to work different hours, which now people have been spoiled by because of COVID. Anybody who's dictating that you must be here nine to five, come every day of the week, is not getting the employees because employees have other choices. They just move on and get a better boss. So you have to be a phenomenally good boss and do everything you can to help that employee. And that's how you get them. That's interesting. And I think you tapped into something there, like you do, that many people Uh feel, but I've not heard anybody articulate it till now, that customers Uh have a little more sympathy for price increases for for smaller businesses in their community, don't they? 
Mm-hmm. And you know what it comes from? Definitely from COVID. It was starting before COVID when I noticed that shift in people's mentality. But during COVID, people actually, consumers, had the experience of losing the local store, the restaurant closing, and they felt sad about it. And they kind of surprised their own attachment to their own community. And then to their websites, you know, customers choose their own uh, providers online. If they want a particular, if they are in the market for, I name anything, say new napkins or table linens, they will scout online. They don't necessarily start with the large stores because they have found that boutiques produce better merchandise and the front and forward pictures of the entrepreneur and the entrepreneur has a story and they tell the story and they donate 10% of their revenue to the good cause in that local area. All those things add up and make a customer feel good about buying. I think that one reason you identify so well with business owners is that you Uh borrowed $1,000 from a boyfriend (laughs) to start your first business, a small real estate firm. Do you remember what specifically you did with that $1,000? Definitely. Like it was today, right written on my hand. I had a thousand dollars. I realized I figured out how much I was going to need in taxi fare to take customers around because they wanted to be taken around in a taxi. That was a big one for me. What the price of a three line ad in the New York Times apartment for sale column was, which at that time was about $86. I knew I could afford one ad a week. I added the taxi fare. I added the cost of my sublease desk of what I was paying the accountant who I was subleasing from, plus my AT&T phone bill, extra dollar a month because I had a pink princess phone. I went whole hog on that one. And I realized I was going to be in business for three months. I had three months to take $1,000 and make a go of it. And what a gift that was to know that I had a line of only three months and to understand where my money was going to go. I was scared. I hit that floor on day one running faster than anybody in New York was ever running to rent any apartment out. I was going to rent an apartment before I ran out of cash. And that's an interesting thing because it brings you to the point of why so many kids who are underprivileged, kids that have a rough start, do better in owning their own business than the rich kids. The reason for that is because they want more. They're more urgent. They have less money to spend. They have to spend every nickel very carefully, and they have pressure. There's no substitute for pressure to getting anything done in life, in anything. Put that on the back of a small business person, pressure, and you're going to see the best of that individual. So yes, that $1,000, thank God I got it. And thank God I treated that $1,000 like it was the one-time opportunity in my whole life. And who really knows if it was, but I felt it then. Who else was going to give me $1,000 the following year? Nobody. Okay. So thank God that happened that way. I'm so thankful that that was my start. It was really a blessing from the heavens above. <laughs> Neil, Neil Caruso, producer. Thanks, Joe. Yes, Barbara. Neil. I love Neil. Yeah. <laughs> no, we, we love you. And, you know, in getting to know you on these interviews, I know that you were such a cheerleader for your workers, your team. Talk about these hiring mm-hmm. issues. Are companies budging on remote work? What what do you tell those that are very traditional and don't want to budge? They're stupid. If you're not budging, you're stupid because you're not doing what is the basic core essence of all business. It's called change. Customers don't stay the same, especially in COVID. 
Their buying habits have totally changed. How they want their product delivered to them has changed. What they want to see in the business they're buying from, they want do-gooders that are making donations and helping the world. That's new. That's changed because of COVID. Let me tell you, if you don't acknowledge the change that happens, you don't stay in business. I mean, you might stretch it out for a couple of years' time, but unless you're right on top of the change and anticipating and have your ear close to that customer and know what they're thinking and going on, you don't have any hope of building a big business. So the customer is in charge. And after that, your employees are in charge. The only one who's not in charge is the boss. If you're thinking you're in charge, you're crazy. Your job is only to try to spot things early and direct your team as to which ways they should run. And that's what builds a big business. Absolutely. Every time that does not change, by the way, that change is part of business. <laughs> Yeah. And speaking of changes, Barbara, we talk a lot about digital mm -hmm. and the, the digital pivot. What are some of those specific mm -hmm. radical changes that are leading to tangible results right now? The tangible things all happen in the technology space. And that's why I'm very happy that I have ATT as my business partner. I can't provide that expertise, but they know it inside and out. They are like a trusted tech partner. Whether you use them or another tech partner that you can trust is unimportant. What is important is that you know the game is played out on the technology front. If you don't know what's coming down the pike, what small things you could use, what you should spend your money on in technology, what's a total waste of money. And if you don't have someone who's advising you on that, you're just not going to do well in business. Do you know today, I don't ever, ever invest in a business that isn't strong in technology. They have to know the social media space. They have to be strong in it. It's more important than the actual product. It's more important than the sales numbers because based on technology gives a business an idea of their potential for growth. And that's why this, if you don't mind me promoting it, but it's just, we get such good feedback. I just want to promote it again. That's why if you have a small business, you should be listening to our great AT&T uh, Business Unusual Webinar Series, because all the stuff we talk about, we get from experts. We don't give you anything that you can't apply to your own business. It's a practical webinar series. Barbara, what sorts of companies are you investing in now? Which is also another way of asking, I think, where do you see uh -huh. the growth opportunities for business owners? <laughs> Well, honestly, Joe, you're asking the wrong person that one because I don't buy businesses. I buy people. That's how I look at it. Because you know what I have found? I found the person who leads the business is the business. And the business is going to replicate that leader. If they've got weaknesses, if they've got ego, they're not going to see change early enough. If they don't want to put the 16 hours a day in, their employees aren't going to work extra hard. I just try to size up the individual and then after I'm satisfied with the individual, I believe they're great at getting over obstacles. They're good at rebounding. They're good at jumping back up like a jack-in-the-box after they hit on the head. All these phenomenal traits that are essential. Then I ask them two simple questions, okay, or ask myself the simple questions. Hey, listen, on this business, are there enough people who will buy this product or service? Are there enough people? That's the question I ask. And does it make common sense? If it passes that litmus test, those two simple questions in my head, I buy in. But if that entrepreneur doesn't measure up to my idea of what it's going to take to run the distance, have the energy to get over the obstacles and hit the finish line, I'm not going to buy in. It's all in the hands of who starts a business. A business is an extension of the individual each and every time. Neil, one more. Yeah, you know, Barbara, Joe and I have covered so many tremendous stories of innovation and, you know, new businesses that have formed during this pandemic. I know a new season yes. of Shark Tank is, uh, is just out. So what are some of the new businesses you've seen that have impressed you the most? 
I'll tell you what's impressed me in this season of Shark Tank, and I've never seen it before. So many of the entrepreneurs that were standing before us either got fired or left their job, predominantly got fired. They had a part-time things they liked to do, and they just decided they had time to think about it. They weren't happy with their life, and now was the time to make a big change, and they took their part-time gig, and they made it a full-time business. And ironically, those were the strongest businesses we saw. The people who were in it heart and soul and presenting with very little revenue, asking very little for their businesses, the lowest ask prices I've ever seen, willing to partner with you, give you a bigger chunk of the business. We saw more committed entrepreneurs. And interestingly, I love them twice as much. Their heart, soul, feet, hands, Ears were in the whole thing, you know, and uh, I think you're going to see that in the season of Shark Tank. I mean, the entrepreneurs are delicious. Uh, the only problem is I think I'm going to go to the poor house, sell all my stock, have no money, can't support my future grandchildren or even my husband at home. I can't do that anymore because I'm running out of cash because I kept buying everything. <laughs> uh, yeah. And I see that you now give convention speeches to Ernst & Young and high-powered yes. executives of big companies. What is mm -hmm. it that you tell them? That they got to think like a little company. You know, if you're thinking you're the big shot, you're doomed for failure. It's just a matter of how long. Do you know the great advantage I saw early in my business when I looked around and saw my big competitors was I picked up on their attitude. They were big shots. The minute I saw everybody playing big shot, I knew I had a shot. If they were thinking like a little guy scrapping, coming up with new ideas, trying this, trying that, no, they were too vested in how important they were. When you're in a big company and you start thinking you're the big cat on campus, it's not even an expression, the big guy on campus, I think it is, you're doomed, all right? You ought to be sweating it out like a little guy and thinking, how do we innovate? Most big businesses think they're competing with other big businesses. They're not. That's not the enemy. The enemy is the little business that's going to come up from behind and bite you in the butt. That's what you compete with. And that's why if you're a small business, you have to really learn how to do your business really well from the get-go. You want to pick up every tip, every educational, every experience you can to use at your business because that's called hunger. If you have that kind of hunger to search out and get other stuff to make yourself stronger, you're going to succeed. It's an attitude and, you, and your, uh, your, what you do matches your attitude every time. Your head thinks that your body follows, right? And so, uh, yeah, so I'm very good to shake up a big company, believe me, <laughs> because I make them scared. Ooh. <laughs> That's great. So you always enjoyed puncturing a few balloons of the big ego, egomaniacs. And well, no, not for sport, but for their own good, for their own good. Right, right, right. Yeah. Barbara, you are amazing. You're one in 10 million. Thanks. It's always great okay. to talk to you. You're better than ever, Barbara. Make sure. You, oh, thank you. You're crazy. But remember, 888barbara.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.